The scripture lesson this morning is from the message. It is Luke 2, 22 to 40. You may follow it in your worship guide. Then when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they took him up to Jerusalem to offer to God as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God and also to sacrifice a pair of doves and two young pigeons prescribed by God's law. In Jerusalem at the time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in prayerful expectancy of help for Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. As the parents of the child Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes I have seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory to your people of Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary, his mother, This child marks both the failure and the recovery of many to Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted. The pain of the sword thrusts through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Anna, a prophetess, was also there, the daughter of Phanel, from the time of tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area worshiping night and day with her fastings and prayers. At the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into an anthem of praise to God, and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. When they finished everything required by law by God in the law, they returned to Galilee and to their own town, Nazareth. There the child grew strong in body, wise in spirit, and the grace of God was on him. The word of God for the people of God. I might be the only person complaining that it's too hot today. I've got this. Um, thank you, Annette, for reading our scriptures this morning, and thank you, Josh, for your beautiful solo. A friend passed on to me the lyrics to a Christmas song during the Advent season. And it is one that I have heard many times before, but this season it seemed to provoke a new and intriguing set of questions for me, mostly because I had this story of the infant Jesus being presented in the temple by his parents swirling around in my mind, a story recounted by Luke in the very scriptures we just heard. It's one of the few scenes of Jesus' infancy and childhood that we have. 
And it features what is thought to be, by some, the last two true prophets of the Old Testament, Simeon and Anna. And they're separate but like-minded proclamations of Jesus and the fulfillment this child would bring truly do usher in the New Testament. The song my friend gave to me is entitled, Mary, Did You Know? by Mark Lowry. It's a poignant song that the modern-day Christian can relate to, a song that resonates with us because we so desperately want to unwind time and look into the eyes of the mother of Jesus, the young and humble servant Mary, and ask her questions like these. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? That your baby boy will calm the storms with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And that when you kiss this little baby, you've kissed the face of God? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. And so when someone hands you the lyrics to Mary, did you know? It also makes you stop to consider who else knew? Who else knew that this little child, a helpless creature, would be the savior and redeemer of us all, and that this baby would be God with us. And precisely because of this, we are reminded of the fullness of the nativity story, that it's more than just Mary and Joseph and the angels, shepherds, wise men, and the whole menagerie of domesticated animals. But there were others who played a meaningful role in the nativity story. Mary's older cousin, Elizabeth, and her husband. And of course, Luke tells us there was Simeon and Anna. Now last year, I had the privilege of preaching on Christmas Day. Just a little over a year later, I am back again. And not that I would expect you to remember this at all, but I preached on the exact same scriptures, Luke 2. 22 through 40. But last year, I focused on Simeon and his reaction to the infant Jesus being presented in the temple and the interaction between um, Simeon and the parents, Mary and Joseph. Funny, when I look back, I completely breezed over Anna. She just never even came up on my radar. She was a bit actor, an extra in the temple story. She didn't speak. I don't know if you noticed this, but rather Luke narrates her reaction. We know so little of her, and yet she is a powerful player in this scene. She is Anna, the prophetess. Even Simeon was not given the title of prophet. 
And so today we focus on Anna and what she knew and how she expressed and emoted the realization of the knowledge that only she and a few other people possessed so early on, a realization of who and what Jesus really was to all humankind. So before we delve into what Anna knew, let's take a moment to see what we know about Anna. And this shouldn't take very long. You see, what Luke reveals to us about Anna is concise, albeit laden with some interesting details and insights into her character. As with many other important figures in the Bible, we're left to piece together who we think she was and what she was like beyond the few sentences we are given. These sentences are, Anna the prophetess was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshiping night and day with her fastings and prayers. Now one thing we know for sure, in contrast to the newness and infancy of Jesus, Anna was elderly. Now, it depends on which version that you read. It varies. The scriptures um, can be read in one of two ways. Anna was 84 years old. So some versions, that's just sort of how they present it. She was 84. Um, But if you look at the historical and cultural norms at the time, and I think this is sort of what the message maybe is suggesting, that, that perhaps she would have been married at 14 years old. Then she was married for seven years thus making her 21 when she became a widow, and fast forward 84 years, she would be, and this is for all you people out there that like to do math in your head, she would have been 105 years old. 84, 105, I think it's safe to say that Anna, for lack of a better word, was older. That everyone can agree on. We don't know who her husband was. He was never named But after his passing, we know that she devoted her entire life to praying and fasting at the temple. Again, we don't know all the circumstances in her life, like why she didn't remarry or if that was even a possibility for her, why she and her husband didn't have children, or perhaps she did and they weren't mentioned in this passage. Did she outlive them too? In these matters and details of her life, we can only speculate. Nevertheless, for a woman in that society and in that time, we can only imagine the dire circumstances that Anna faced. We also don't know all the narratives in her life that led her to participate in the temple as full-time employment, or like that was her job. She was there all the time, perhaps maybe even lived there. But in the few morsels that we know of Anna, we get the sense that she was so much more than what the written words say about the circumstances of her life. She was a strong and devout woman, teeming with character. In fact, Sheila Walsh, a best-selling author and Bible teacher, says this about Anna. Her world was very much a male-dominated one, where women were expected to be silent and unintrusive. One of the key words that I see in Anna's life is focus, Beth writes. She didn't look back with regret but rather she looked forward with hope. That one thing alone could change the way we live. Think of the wasted energy we expend on regret. 
Obviously, grief plays a very necessary part in our lives, but grief adds to the tragedy when we allow it to define us. When grief defines us, we forego the opportunity to truly live again. And although Anna knew heartache and loss, she focused on hope. When Paul wrote his first letter to the young Timothy, he identified himself as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of our God and Savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. And this is how Anna lived her life, waiting patiently for Christ, who is our hope. Focused, patient, expectant, hopeful. These are the essential elements we can assign to Anna and hopefully emulate in our own lives. Characteristics that seem to me very appropriate for the recently completed Advent season. Kind of think about those characteristics. I think they're just perfect for what we just wrapped up. It was as if her 84 years of being a widow were the perfect and holy metaphor for the season of waiting and anticipating that we Christians are called on to experience in Advent. And yet here we are in the season of Christmas tide. And perhaps we are a little weary from the journey. There's a lot of things competing for our time and energy and resources during the holiday season. And come December 31st, we're debating when we can take down the Christmas tree and pack away all those decorations. And Christmas music? We have been listening to that since before Thanksgiving. So most of us probably feel like, wow, I survived the holidays. I'm so ready to move on. But hold on. Not so fast. Now is the time for joy and celebration. Now is the time for singing praises for what we anticipated in those weeks of Advent. That which we longed for has arrived. The birth of Jesus Christ. Our ritual act of remembering the moment when heaven and earth stood still. And Emmanuel, God with us, arrived. Oh, no, this is not something to just check off the holiday list. No, 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 no. But in many ways, and for many Christians, it has. And I'm not assigning blame here. I'm admitting my guilt, too. In all seriousness, I wonder, do we ever feel the same kind of joy at Christmas time that Anna felt upon seeing Jesus for the very first time? Are we overcome with a deep and resounding joy? Do we react with even a small measure of what Anna displayed? The scriptures say at the very time Simeon was praying, Anna showed up and broke into an anthem of praise to God and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. No, I, I don't think that most of us outwardly express the kind of joy described and attributed to Anna. You know what? Maybe it's not fair to lay that expectation on us. I mean, after all, we are modern Christians. We have the story. We are post-birth and resurrection believers. Don't worry, no spoiler alerts here. We already know how things are going to go, so it kind of takes a little bit of the oomph out of it. 
I mean, sure, we believe that Christ will come again, but unlike our brothers and sisters in the early church, either we don't readily accept or we don't ascribe to the imminence of the second coming of our Lord. It's one of those things that as modern Christians we really do struggle with. But if we really thought about it, if we really embraced it, we would see that we are not so far apart from Anna. We too are living lives that long for a new heaven and a new earth. We strive to build the kingdom of God here on earth, but we are also part of a massive and lengthy lineage of people who have and are currently waiting and waiting and waiting for God to make the final move. But after so much waiting, admittedly, we have settled a bit, perhaps more than we should. So the songwriter asked the question, Mary, did you know? And each Christmas we listen to that intimate pondering as we put ourselves in Mary's shoes. And then we take it a step further. Simeon and Anna, what did they know? It seems if they they really were spirit-led and directed, open and righteous vessels that were ready and capable of receiving the message of the significance and majesty of this little baby. That in that moment, they knew, and they expressed it as such. For Anna, at least, her response was matched by the magnitude of the moment, bursting forth with anthems of praise, telling everyone she saw the long-awaited news. She freely shared it with her community. It was truly a joyful thing that she could not contain. News so great, so powerful, so life-changing. Changing, it could not be contained within her aged body. I can only wish to imagine how alive Anna felt in that moment. And finally, we come to us and what we know and how we react to the birth of Jesus. The whole enormity of the knowledge we possess from Jesus' journey from the cradle to the cross. If we knew really, really knew what we proclaim to know about our Lord Jesus Christ, we too would be enveloped in elation. We would be beaming with bliss, singing with a joy that brings the house down, like, um, who is that guy? Bengali? Have you ever heard him sing? Uh, Was a former choir member here? And uh, sings all over the world? And a friend of St. John's. And if you've never heard this guy sing, you are doing yourself a disservice. But many of you know who I'm talking about. And when he sings, it's with joy. It's it's not just what you hear. It's, it's, It's his body language. It's his face. The man literally radiates with joy. That's how we ought to be singing. Could perhaps the song be written for us? St. John's. Did you know? Could we answer it joyfully, honestly, and unabashedly? Yes, we truly know. And we feel it in every fiber of our being that joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. It's not merely traditional Christmas fare, but it's our anthem. 
It's our everything. And here's where things get a bit emotional for me. This is the first Christmas without my dad. And I really struggled to write a sermon on joy because it felt very elusive to me this season. My mind said yes, but my heart said no. Nevertheless, I found a friend in Anna, heard her speaking to me in the midst of loss. There's hope because I know what she knew, that the promise of the nativity story and what it truly means. I know that my dad is not alone, that what he is experiencing beyond this earthly life is more beautiful and more fulfilling than I could ever imagine. And there's a comfort in that knowledge. There is peace in that realization, even when it's mixed in with the tears. There is joy. This year for me, it might not be an anthem of joy, but a little melody in my heart that I carry with me on the hard days. While the tune has been diminished, it has not been extinguished. Hope writes the music, but joy sings the song. I hope to be singing it at full volume one day soon. How about you? Where are you at this Christmas tide? Are you brimming with joy at our Savior's birth? Or are you feeling a little bit of the drag of the post-Christmas letdown? No matter where you are at, might you consider my friend Anna, one of the last true prophets of the Old Testament, and the powerful example she gave us, and the lesson and joyful expression that she taught us all. You know, I saw this quote recently from a man named Russell M. Nelson, and it made me think about Anna and what she came to know that day in the temple when she saw old Simeon cradling that little baby. It says, Joy comes from and because of him. Joy comes from and because of him. And so, dear friends, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. No, wait, I want to wish you more than that. I want to wish you joy. A joy that comes from knowing that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was born into this world, and he will come again. A joy that supersedes and nourishes hope, even in the midst of grieving. And the kind of joy that believing in the power of God's forgiveness, grace, and love in this life and beyond would leave you singing anthems of glorious praise. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we are just hours away from a new year, new hopes, new dreams. As we race to the end of one year and anticipate a new one, God, Help us to remember that we are in the midst of something we often rush to put away. We are in Christmas tide. We are in the season of joy. Help us to savor it a little longer. Now is the time for singing your praises, for telling all those who will hear that Jesus Christ, 
your Son, our Lord and our Savior, has been born. The one who brings us hope, peace, comfort, and love has come to be with us. Remind us that we're never far from your Son's presence. We know the story, and yet we know not when he will return again. Each time we hear the story, each time we are touched by the realization of his sacrificial love, let us not be constrained, but to be truly joyful, just as Anna did so long ago. Amen. And at this time, our ushers will come forward to take our morning offering.